You're listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness from LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs. It's Unnecessary Roughness, presented by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. How about we finish this off with a safety, shall we? <laughs> Board on territory, obviously. Jones standing in his own end zone to our right. Snap, back to pass. Pressure again off the edge. And he's set for the safety. Crosby and Nichols, they met in the end zone. They squished him to the turf. And the Raiders defense has that safety. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Live from Buffalo Wild Wings, here's your boy Q. Q. And here we go. We're at another Buffalo Wild Wings, another Friday. This is how we kick off the weekend, heading into, well, some Raiders action. Last week, it was Raiders action at home. This week, they're going to be on the road as they're in Chicago, taking on the Bears, 10 a.m. kickoff. Of course, you can hear it on Raider Nation Radio 920. 150 East Centennial is the spot. My man, Vice Raiders, already in the building. We've got plenty of prizes for you, like T-shirts. We've got that custom bottle uh, opener that everyone wants, that Raider Nation Radio 920 bottle opener. We've got the koozies. We've got all kind of different uh, prizes for you. All you got to do is come on by and say what's up, gets a little bit of a lunch, you know, and, and head into the weekend the right way. Again, it's Friday. I tell you all the time, work is overrated. So, you know, do what you're supposed to do. I mean, get up out of there and have a good time. That's how we get down. My man Ari's in the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio making everything go. He does a fine job each and every day. We definitely appreciate him, and we're excited about the opportunity that we have with you for the next three hours. Have some really good guests lined up on the show today. Of course, we're going to hear from you throughout the course of the show on the don'tbebroke.com text sign at 69187, keyword R&R, and the Raider Nation listener line at 702-365-9200. My man Harry Ruiz just wrapped up his show for uh, Deportes right ahead of us, so he's here hanging out as well, so you can come on by and say what's up with uh, for Harry if, you, uh, if you'd like to. Uh, he's here to take pictures and do cartwheels and all that good stuff. Like He's a one-stop shop. He'll, uh, he'll do what he does, right? I mean, you put a quarter in him, he'll go, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just simple as that. It's like the old school. Remember back in the day? Remember back in the day when you were at the grocery store and they had like the, uh, the they had the little animals and everything outside and you you had a quarter or a fifty cent and you could ride that that machine. That's Harry, man. You go out and give him like fifty cent. You know he'll take a picture with you. Just you know you wind him up and you let him go. But no, Harry's a fantastic dude. He's here hanging out with us too. So we definitely appreciate him and uh, all his fine work. And of course he'll be on the call for the Raiders and Bears as he's uh, the Latino voice of the silver and black and does a fantastic job with that as well. But as far as the guests that we have coming up on the show on this Friday, uh, we're going to have to get our final little look-see inside of what the Chicago Bears have going on. We've, of course, got our uh, final injury report. We'll go over that in a little while. The Raiders have multiple guys out. The Bears have a couple guys out that we'll go over as well. But Patrick Finley, Chicago Sun-Times, he'll join us coming up at 2.30 to, like I said, give us our last final little, um, you know, uh, background and, and little information on what the Chicago Bears are going to be bringing to the table with a quarterback, Justin Fields, being officially ruled out. So you know that it's going to be the Tyson Bajant show. Uh, he's an undrafted free agent. He's going to get his first career start. So at 2.30, we'll get all things Chicago Bears with Patrick Finley from the Chicago Sun-Times. At 3 o'clock, speaking of Voices of the Silver and Black, we have Jason Horowitz. Uh, he does a fantastic job with the Silver and Black. And, you know, I'm interested to know. This is going to be one of the first questions I ask him. I'm interested to know. Uh, he's going to Soldier Field, and, and Jason has been around around the business for a long time, and so he's done a lot of broadcasts from a lot of different stadiums. I'm, a, I'm assuming that he's been to Soldier Field before, but I'm not sure. Like, everyone hasn't gun, done a, a, a show in, uh, you know, at, at all these fantastic stadiums, but 
from my experiences being in, in Texas and doing Texas, you know, high school football and doing the sideline reporting, sometimes it was really cool when you'd go to a stadium that was one of those that was like had historic meaning. It's like, man, I'm really on the sideline. I'm, like I remember the first time I was on the sideline at Jerry's World. You know, even though it's not a historic building, but it's just it's Jerry's World. It's massive. So to be on the sidelines and you know walking up and down that and interviewing coaches and even though it was high school, it still was pretty special. So I wonder where Jason, like if he has a special stadium or two that he's done some broadcast from. So that'll be one of the first questions that I ask uh, when he joins us at three o'clock. But of course, we'll deep dive into the game Raiders and Bears, and he'll be on the call alongside with Lincoln Kennedy. And Lincoln Kennedy is a guy that we have on the show every single Tuesday. Tuesday and Thursday at 3.30. So Jason Horowitz, the voice of the silver and black, will join us at 3 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, my friend Nick Shook from NFL.com. He'll take us around the league. We'll talk all things NFL with Nick. We'll talk about the trade deadline. We'll talk about how Thursday night football uh, was underway last night and how week seven got underway with the Jaguars topping the Saints in a game where the Saints looked pretty terrible on offense until they didn't. Right, All of a sudden, they made a turnaround at the end of the game and had an opportunity and, man, felt so bad at the end for Foster Morrow dropping that touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone, had it right in his hands, would have been a a game tire, and uh, just bounced right off his hands. And, of course, we all know what Foster's been through and the trials and tribulations, so I'm rooting for him. I'm not anti-Derek Carr either, so I would have had no problem if uh, they had tied up that game and and even won that game, right? I mean, I think that it's a good opportunity for uh, for D.C. and Foster to have a a really good team, but uh, they came up short short and man I'll tell you patience ran out with uh, DC pretty quick in New Orleans right <laughs> Raider Nation we, we were rocking with DC for nine years <laughs> they were rocking with them for about six games right I mean they were booing the hell out of them last night I was like dang man they are really on this dude's helmet and I'll say this he showed some emotion I don't know how many people were watching the game but he showed some emotion to the point where he even went to the podium after the game and said I've been showing too much emotion." Or too much emotion. I got a uh, emotion. I don't know what that is, but anyway, too much emotion that he's got to you know check his check himself and and you know he's been having his emotions on his sleeve and everything. I mean, he was he was pretty fired up. I think he might have even cursed. I I mean, I'm not a, a lip reader, but it almost looked like he cursed on that uh on that throw he made to Chris Olave and and Chris Olave slowed down and first of all, the ball was way out of bounds, way out of bounds. Like there was no chance it was going to get caught, but Chris Olave did slow down on the route and DC was hot, man. I was like, dang, I. New Orleans got him, man. He went to New Orleans, and he's cussing. He's doing all kind of stuff now. So, uh, again, I don't I don't root against the dude. I never will. I think that he did some really good things for the Silver and Black, but I did see, man, it didn't take long. I was on the radio on ESPN Radio last night while that game was going on. It didn't like take long for me to pull up Twitter and see all the slander and all of Raider Nation just firing up. Not all, but a lot of Raider Nation firing up on him and, you know, kind of laughing at the Saints and the Saints fans firing back like, hey, uh, we understand now, Raider Nation, sorry, or whatever like this. So it was a lot of going back and forth. Social media is a funny place, but that's how week seven got started with the Jaguars topping the Saints. And I got to give Trevor Lawrence a lot of credit. Like, I know I've been talking about D.C., but I got to give Trevor Lawrence a ton of credit. This dude and me and Ari, when we made our NFL picks, we talked about Trevor Lawrence, if he was going to start or not. And I had a gut feeling that he was going to kind of been reading some of the tea leaves that he was going to get the start. His head coach, Doug Peterson, said that he wasn't sure. He said as of Monday that they didn't think he was going to play at all on Thursday. It was a short week, but uh, he, he ends up playing. He has a knee a knee sprain. He's out there with a big old knee brace, and I recognize it very well from a guy that's torn both his ACLs. I recognize that, uh, that knee brace, and there's no doubt. And all he does is go out there and not only lead the team to a victory, but he leads the team in rushing, right? The one thing you'd think he wouldn't want to do with a bum knee is run, but he went out there and he led the team in rushing and uh, had some really, really good plays. So 
uh, all of a sudden, look out. The Jacksonville Jaguars have won four games in a row, and also they're feeling pretty good about themselves. And uh, so, yeah, that's how week seven got started. Of course, there's going to be some really good games this week, and it'll get wrapped up Sunday night football with the Eagles and the Dolphins. I'm excited about that. So, well, we'll talk all things NFL. We'll scatter shoot around the league with Nick Shook from NFL.com, our good friend, coming up at 4 o'clock. And then at 4.30, uh, Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. He joins us each and every week. We'll talk about some college football. We'll talk about some uh, NFL action. He'll talk about the money line, where you should lay your money, how you can win some money. Uh, that'll be with Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com. And I think when we join Lee, I think we'll talk about I'm interested in, in UNLV. They have a chance to get their sixth win of the season coming up on Saturday. They have an opportunity to become bowl eligible. Depending on what happens with Michigan <laughs> and their situation that they've got going on, maybe they end up vacating uh, some of their wins, uh, and all of a sudden UNLV gets a credit for winning that game against Michigan, even though we know they did not win that game. But Michigan's got some real mess going on right now, so who knows what's going to happen. But on the field, UNLV could pick up their sixth victory of the season with a win over Colorado State on Saturday uh, at Allegiant Stadium. So we'll lead off with that just because it's college football, and uh, I want to focus in on that. Then we'll try to focus in on the AFC West as well. He always talks to us about the Raiders, so you know we're going to close out with that. But got to talk some AFC West as the Chiefs and the Chargers are squaring up with each other as well. That's going to be a pretty interesting game. So that's the that's the lineup that we have there for you, man. That's the guest that we have coming up. Excited about it again. Patrick Finley, Chicago Sun-Times, will join us at 2.30 to talk all things uh, Chicago Bears as they'll be hosting the Raiders. Jason Horowitz at 3, talking all things silver and black. Nick Shook from NFL.com at 4. And then at 4.30, we'll have Lee Sterling from ParamountSports.com to give you all things money line and tell you where to lay your money this upcoming weekend. With all that being said, let's go ahead and jump into the opening drive. The opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM is brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. Definitely shout out to Paul Padalaw. We appreciate them sponsoring the opening drive here on Unnecessary Roughness, Raider Nation Radio 920. Of course, the whole show is being brought to you by the Jewelers of Las Vegas. We definitely appreciate them as well. So as it, we do right before a game, we always do it. It doesn't matter if it's a Monday, if it's a Thursday, if it's a Friday, whatever the case may be. we got to talk about how the Raiders are going to pick up a victory over the Chicago Bears. And first and foremost, I, there's no doubt in my mind they should win this game. I, I say should in all capitals, right? Like if it's a text message, I'm yelling at you. Like I'm yelling and screaming at you that they should win this game on Sunday. They've got so many things working in their favor, and the Bears have so many things and, and, and factors working against them. Now, that doesn't mean they're going to win the game. We've been there, done that, right? We've seen all these elements before. Uh, we all know that in the league, man, it's any given Sunday, the team that looks terrible one week all of a sudden pops up and they're great the next week. And a team that's great one week looks terrible the next week. I mean, it's the NFL. You never know how things are going to shake out. But a couple questions that I have for you as we're in the opening drive here on Unnecessary Roughness. Who do you expect to have a big game for the Raiders on Sunday? Who are you looking to have a big game for the Raiders on Sunday? What will be the path to victory What's going to have to happen to get the W? So always ask the keys to victory. Always ask about, you know, what is it going to take for the Silver and Black to get a victory? Uh, and they are currently on a two-game winning streak. I believe on Monday we'll be talking about a three-game winning streak. And I'm not saying that like the Bears are just some walk in the park, but they're just not good. They're not good. They don't have their starting quarterback. They have a lot of issues that are plaguing them, right? Their offensive line is somewhat in shambles right now. So there's a lot to like about what the Raiders have going for them. Now the Raiders have some guys that are going to be out as well. Right, Jimmy G, we know he's out, so it's going to be a decision on who's going to be the quarterback. We've talked about that in great length. Brian Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell, you pick the Kool-Aid. Whatever you choose, that's fine. 
Honestly, I believe both guys could probably win the game, right? We already know where I go. I, I lean Brian Hoyer. Others lead Aiden O'Connell. Again, that's fine. You pick what flavor Kool-Aid you prefer, and I'm good with that. At the end of the day, I love Kool-Aid regardless, <laughs> right? So <laughs> it might not be my favorite flavor, but it's still good. I mean, that, that, that's all I know. So uh, that, that's, that's a you call. But, you know, the Raiders have Nate Hobbs. He's going to be out. And Ja'Korian Bennett, he's already been ruled officially out as well. So three guys that they have out uh, this week. We knew Jimmy G was going to be out. But uh, Nate Hobbs, again, missing another game. And I feel like it's rinse and repeat when it comes to Nate Hobbs and, and the storyline that I keep saying that he's out. He's out. He's out. It just seems the same way, man. I hate that, you know, we keep going down this path when it comes to Nate Hobbs because I do think he's a nice addition, a nice piece of that Raiders defense. But, you know, he can't do anything. He can't get tackles. He can't make interceptions. He can't get sacks. He can't be an impact on the team if he's standing on the sideline. You know, it's just it's just not going to happen. But he's out, uh, Ja'Korian Bennett and, of course, Jimmy Garoppolo. So, again, who do you expect to have a big game for the Raiders on Sunday? What will be the path to victory? What has to happen for the Raiders to get a W? And I'll start with what has to happen as opposed to who's going to have a big game. What has to happen is the Raiders have to stop the run. First and foremost, they have to stop the run. The Bears are going to want to run the ball, especially with a rookie quarterback in there making his first start. There's nothing more than he wants than to be able to lean on that run game. And they do have a good run game. And it's funny they have a good run game when their offensive line is in shambles. <laughs> their offensive line is all over the place, but they're still able to run the ball. They like to get downhill. That, that is first and foremost. Secondly, and I'm, I'm leading with the defense here because I think the defense is the strength of the team right now, they've got to light up the quarterback. And what I mean by that is they've got to put some heat on him. This may be a game where Patrick Graham even decides to put more pressure on uh, and, and blitz a couple more times, right? Just throw some different looks at this guy to confuse him. I mean, you're talking about a rookie that's getting his first career start. And I know we got a little bit of burn last week against the Vikings, but this is just kind of a different ball game, right? And you've got Mad Max Crosby across from, from him that's coming – breathing down his neck, trying to, you know, trying to rattle him. You've got the interior put pressure, and I think that that's a big deal. You saw guys like Butler get home. You saw Bilal Nichols get home. You saw Jenkins get home last week. Guys like that are going to have to get home, and they're going to have to make their presence felt. They make their presence felt. It could be a long day at the office for this, this young guy who has a lot of confidence. I, I, I don't want to take that from him. I could appreciate all the confidence he has, but they got to find a way to rattle him. They cannot let him, and I think Hardcore Raiders is the one who called in yesterday and said, don't let him all of a sudden be Nick Mullins. And anyone who's been following the Raiders for a long time knows who Nick Mullins and knows that story of that Thursday night in Santa Clara, right? Thursday night football, Nick Mullins making his first career start. What's this guy going to do? Oh, he's not going to be able to do anything. And he goes out there and looks like the second coming to Joe Montana, right? They can't allow that kind of a situation to happen again. And not this team, but teams in the past have done that when it comes to the silver and black. So I know a lot of Raider fans probably have a little bit of uh, uneasiness to them because they've, they've, they've read this script before, right? They, they, they've, got the, they've got the book, like, uh, read, the, read the game for dummies, <laughs> right? And, and sometimes at the end of the book, it's not good, right? You don't, you don't want to wanna see that, that, uh, that play out anymore. So as far as I'm concerned, defensively, you've got to be able to stop the run. You've got to get a ton of pressure on the quarterback. Just make them uncomfortable. Right, there's other things that you could do. You know, of, of course, I always want to see them get some turnovers, create some turnovers. I think that'll come. I think that they're going to get some turnovers when they get that pressure on this young quarterback. He's going to make a couple mistakes. He made a couple mistakes last week. Right? I mean, he got strip sacked. He got through an interception. The game ended on an interception that he threw. I mean, he's subject to make some mistakes, and that's what young, young guys do. So that shouldn't be a surprise. But as long as you heat him up, as long as you're able to stop the run, if you can stop the run, you'll make him so one-dimensional. And that'll be that'll be a great thing. That's what you uh, that's what you need to need to do. 
so Ari just passed along that Diana Rossini says that Hoyer is officially starting. Is that you got? Where'd you read that? I didn't see that on that thing we call Twitter. I call it Twitter. No, I did too. I did too. I didn't have it up right now. Okay. Yeah, it's just uh, yeah, and she's official. So Diana okay. Rossini, there you go. Starting cornerback, a uh, per a source. Okay. Well, there you go. Diana Rossini's as good as it gets. So it sounds like Brian Hoyer is going to get the start on uh, on Sunday, and I, I think that's the right decision. I know all the Raider Nation does not agree, and that's okay. Right? We don't have to always agree on something, but we'll see how it shakes out. I, again, I don't think that he did anything to not get the opportunity to start from what you saw on Sunday. But there you go. So uh, now offensively, you know, I've already given you defensive uh, keys. Offensively, you just got to go out there and, you, and you, you, can't, you can't shoot yourself in the foot. What, and, and what I mean by that is every time they get to the red zone, they're fantastic 20-20. to 20. They get to the red zone, you get a false start. Get to the red zone, you get an offensive pass interference. You get to the red zone, you get a, a holding penalty. And they're pretty good, actually, when it comes to penalties. Something I talked to Coach McDaniels about earlier today, asked him about that, and, you know, they've actually done a pretty good job with penalties in general, but they just have them at the wrong time in the red zone. You can't have it in the red zone. That's, that's not, you know, that's, that's not going to be the way to go. So uh, there it is. There it is. Uh, that's, that's my offensive and defensive uh, keys, and then just overall, just got to go out there and play Raider football. They got a two-game winning streak right now. Keep the party rolling, right? You got a tough game against the Detroit Lions coming up on uh, next Monday night, so you might as well go out there and put your best foot forward, uh, get a victory, go three in a row, improve to four and three on the season, and then you know you, you do the best you can when you head to Detroit on Monday Night Football for playing against a team that is flying high right now. So uh, there you go. That's that's my keys. That's a uh, you know, that's what I'm looking for for this team to do. As far as players that I think are going to have a big game, I mean, I, I feel like there's, it's a no-brainer that Devontae is going to have a big game. I really do. I feel like Devontae is going to be heavily involved in the offense. Uh, after the week that we've had here talking about Devontae Adams, I think there's no doubt he's going to get heavily involved. But I also look for Michael Mayer. He's the other guy. He's the other guy that I'm looking for. I think he's going to continue to evolve in this Raiders offense and definitely think that that's a good thing because he's shown that he could be a hell of a player once he has his hands on the ball. Let's go out to uh, Henderson and talk to our guy, Sean. Welcome to the show. What's on your mind, Sean? Thank you. Good to talk to you. Hey, I think Hoyer has to really step up and play well. I thought he did well against New England, but he really only generated two field goals. We're going to need more than that out of him. Um, something to consider. What if Jimmy G's injury, what if internally they know it's more serious and it's going to be a longer time that he's out? I mean, do they go to O'Connell next week? Do we stay with Hoyer? Um, but I would like to know your thoughts on what, what do we do if, if uh, Jimmy's out for a longer period of time. Keep up the great work, Hugh. Hey, great call, Sean. I appreciate you. And, yeah, I mean, look, I, that's a good question because I'm sure that they have a better idea of the severity of the injury as opposed to what we do. Um, you know, and I think that a one-week thing, it'd be great for Hoyer. I am a little concerned about if, if uh, you know, next week they decide to go with Aiden O'Connell when they're going to Detroit to a team that plays really good ball who has a really stingy defense, especially getting after the quarterback, that might not be the best recipe for success. But I guess you got to see how it goes this week, right? I guess you got to see how it goes and then just kind of reserve your judgment and, and hope that Jimmy is available to come back. Um, Josh McDaniel said that they dodged a big bullet when, when uh, he went to the hospital and got some test runs. So clearly they thought it was a pretty bad, severe injury that is not as bad as they thought it was. So that, I mean, I guess that's a positive. That's a good thing. But – like I said, man, it's, it's. I think you're gonna have to take that week by week when it comes to uh, comes to this team. And again, if they go and handle their business against Chicago, like I think they should, they'll be four and three. 
And I, I just don't think that you, you're going to roll the rookie out at that point, especially while you're you know, feeling pretty good about yourself. I think Kansas City is going to beat the Chargers this week. That means the Chargers will drop to 2-4, and four, the Chiefs will be at 6-1, and one, and the Raiders will be sitting there at 4-3 and three if they go handle their business. Right? Then all of a sudden they're starting to separate from the rest of the division. Now, you know, the Chargers have some easier games coming up after this Kansas City game, but, again, you can only take it week by week. So uh, there you go. Uh, let's go out to the OC. Let's talk to our guy, John. Welcome to the show, John. What's on your mind? So, fam, hope everyone's having a good Friday. Uh, you're getting ready for this uh, 10 o'clock game out here on the West Coast, like <laughs> all the nation is. Uh, man, so your question for me is going to have to just be basically the offense in, in general. Okay. Uh, I think it's going to be has, Hoyer has to take control of the offense, has to demand, uh, you know, everybody execute and do the damn job, man, because we got Adams. It's not that he was being a diva, but that's that, that's the wider position, man. They Give me the damn ball. You know what I'm saying? Like Keyshawn, right? Just give me the damn ball. Let me do my thing. So I'm hoping um, that he does what Hoyer does and digs into that playbook and McDaniel just unleashes a little bit more. You know, we, uh, Myers, everyone's uh, – the coach can see what Myers does. DA does his thing. But for me, we got potential on every single position being X, Y, in the slot, tight end, double tight end, scheme, all that stuff. Dude, we got dudes that are dude ballers, right? Yards up to catch. Let give 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 them a ten yard route. And let them do their thing, man. They you, you know they can all shake and bake. But um, we it's basically like a pre-game for the game versus Lions. If we get it unlocked, we're gonna match it really well against Detroit. So I I I really am hoping and praying that our offense gets it unlocked. Our defense has been doing the thing as of late, and our special team has been doing great as well. I just want our offense to be a coming-out party on every single position. Offensive line turning it up. Um, uh, J.J. doing his thing, you know what I'm saying? Like, everybody got to come up, but Hoyer's got to take control of that team, stay locked in, keep everybody focused, and just get that dub. A convincing win, if not a convincing win, it is what it is. I just want that dub by any means necessary. But we, this is like a, this is like a, 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 a little scrimmage game before the big game. Because we do win this game, like you said, we got a big test versus that uh, stingy defense out there in Detroit. Love you guys. Have a good hey, one. good call, good call. They better treat it more than a scrimmage game, man. They better take this game seriously. If not, we'll be talking about what happened, right? We'll be talking about that on Monday. You don't want that case. They better treat this game like a, a, a very important game against a very good opponent. That's that's. I mean, they can't – it's one of those things, man. I, I remember having a high school coach, uh, Scott Stewart from Temple High School. He told me one time, he said, Q, it's never about them. It is always about us. We never worry about the other guys across the field from us. Always just got to worry about us. We've got to go out and play our game and let the chips fall where it may. And I know it's, you know, hey, high school is way different than the NFL, but the the the, the, the thoughts are the same, right? They they cannot go out there and, 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 and talk like we're talking about the team is battered and bruised. They got a backup quarterback, never had a career start, this, that, and the other. They've got to go out there and act like that's uh, you know the '85 Bears that they're about to play, where you know they could really ball out, so that so they don't get caught slipping and get you know real just lethargic and and not put their best foot forward. That's how you find a way to take L's. Let's go out to KC. Let's talk to our guy Dan. Dan, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, what's going on, Q? Chill, so, man. I've been on the AOC bandwagon since the beginning of the year, since the Garoppolo issue started. I wanted him over Hoyer, but you convinced me this last week that he's not the answer right now. And the reason I think that is because what the Bears are going to do and what most bad teams do is they give teams opportunities to beat them. Mm-hmm. And the Bears are going to do that because they're bad and because they're beaten up. And what we don't need is for uh, O'Connell to go out there and take too many risks, turn the ball over, and give them chances to stay in the game. Hoyer won't do that. He'll protect the ball, stick to the game plan, and hopefully put them away when the opportunity presents themselves. 
and that's why I think he should be the starter, and I'm glad that he is if, if that's, that is the case. Right. Um, I just, I just, I just think we don't need to take any extra chances that I think Aiden O'Connell will probably do based on his immaturity. There you go. Hey, good stuff, Dan. Thanks for the call. Appreciate you, man. Hold it down in Kansas City. And yeah, I mean, I, I could, you know, that that's basically echoing exactly how I feel. You know, this is a team that the Raiders should beat, but you got to go out there and don't give the team opportunities. Don't allow the the Bears to have opportunities because you you know have a guy that that may make a mistake here or there. You know, Aiden O'Connell will get his time. He'll get his time at some point to be able to go out there and show what he can do, right? It might be three, four, five games in a row for all we know. It just doesn't seem like the time is now. And that's not a cute thing. That's something that, you know, a, a lot of people that join the show and have joined the show. And, hell, I know that, you know, Diana Rossini saying that Hoyer's going to be starting, but we'll ask our guests. You know, we'll ask Horowitz. We'll ask Nick Shook. We'll ask Lee Sterling, you know, about who he th- they think should start just because until we actually see him out there, I mean, we, we feel like it's pretty official, but until we see him out there, we really don't know. Let's go out to Sacramento real quick, and then we'll take a break. Drew, welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Drew, what's up, man? Chilling, man. How are you doing? Good. I like to be optimistic about the games and, 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 and where we're going, but I think you guys got it wrong, man. Okay. Boyer does not impress me. He didn't impress me the last game. He threw one good ball. Other than that, he got a field goal. Okay. If you look at it, okay, when was the last time he scored a touchdown? You know what I mean? Look at what he did in preseason. Couldn't do anything in preseason, right? This second half of the game, he had two errant balls, man. They, he could, um, if you judge him by that, he couldn't hit the side of a barn the way he was throwing those ones. I mean, he does it, but he's not consistent. I mean, everybody's saying, oh, he's not going to turn the ball over. Well, we're not going to win the ball with four field goals, all right? Uh, uh, <laughs> That's the all they've been getting with the starter. That's all they've been getting with the starter is field goals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but, but the rookie was doing good, man. I mean, yeah, you know, you had Khalil Mack coming down, going down his breath, and, you know, hopefully you know, if they had him in there, I, I think he'd do better. He'd move that ball pretty good down the field in the preseason and that last time. But, yeah, he fumbled the ball away, but he was scoring. And <laughs> if it wasn't for I don't think they should have passed it that last play. When he threw an interception, he should have ran it with Jacobs. You know what I mean? He did that yeah. Pete Carroll thing. You know what I mean? But if yeah. it wasn't for that, we could have tied that game up. Oh, I know. <laughs> oh, I know. <laughs> Trust me, I know. All right. You're, you're starting to cut out a little bit, my man. You're starting to cut out a little. I'm sorry. I, hey, I get what you're saying, man. I get what you're saying. I'm sure you're not alone, man. I guarantee you that a lot of folks want Aiden O'Connell to start. And you know what? He still might. I mean, this is Diana Rossini who said that. Josh McDaniels didn't say that. So we don't, we don't know 100%, but uh, that's what it looks like, that they're leaning towards Brian, o- Brian Hoyer. And look, if he doesn't do good, they might just say, okay, let's go ahead and put the rookie in for all we know. But I understand your, your point and, and, and your concern. There's nothing wrong with that. At the end of the day, it's about winning games and scoring points. Like I said, Brian Hoyer is the, is the Kool-Aid I chose this week. You chose the Kool-Aid that was Aiden O'Connell. Fine. What we do know is, uh, uh, to, to be true We both like Kool-Aid. That's what it is. Patrick Finley, Chicago Suns-Times. He'll join us next to talk about Tyson Bajant. We know he's starting for Chicago. It's Radio Nation Radio 920. That was the opening drive of Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Brought to you by Paul Padilla. It's not about the injury. It's about the recovery. This podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness on LVSportsNetwork.com is brought to you by Porta Subs. Make sure you check out Porta Subs' six-foot party trays. They're perfect for game days. 
You'll get your choice of three made-to-order classic subs made with premium meats and cheese on your choice of fresh-baked bread, loaded with fresh veggies, toppings, and sauces. Game day six-foot trays serve 12 to 16 people, so you can sit back and enjoy the game. Available at all Las Vegas area Porta Subs, neighborhood sandwich shops, order ahead at portasubs.com. The Raiders are about a 500 team for a reason right now, right? Hopefully you're going in to take care of business against a team you should beat. But don't let it slip that those teams on the other side of the field get paid too. So no matter what their record is, anybody can be beaten on any given day. The Raiders almost dropped one to the Patriots. They can't be mindful. They can't look over anybody and say that we got this. We just need to go out and take care of business and get better because the second half of the season is not going to be easy. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness. Live at Buffalo Wild Wings with your boy Q. And we are at Buffalo Wild Wings, 150 East Centennial is a spot. Every Friday we go to a different Buffalo Wild Wings, and today this is where we are up until 5 o'clock. We definitely appreciate you stopping by. Join us now on the phone lines from the Chicago Sun-Times is Patrick Finley to talk a little Chicago Bears. And, Patrick, thanks so much for your time. We appreciate you. So we know officially Justin Fields is out. Uh, Tyson Bajant, he got some burn last week against the Vikings and come in in relief duty. What do you expect to see from the rookie getting his first NFL start? Well, he's going to be confident. He carries himself with a confidence I've never seen in an undrafted rookie before. He just looks like he belongs. Uh, he walks around like he owns the place, and that's a good thing. Uh, you know, you felt that uh, during training camp. You definitely felt that during the preseason when he really stated his case and, uh, and was so good that the Bears cut P.J. Walker uh, and made him their second-string quarterback. So uh, he'll be confident. The question now is, will he be in rhythm? Will he know where the ball is supposed to go? Uh, will he be able to handle uh, the pressure that I'm sure the Raiders are going to bring against a really banged-up Bears offensive line? Uh, we don't know, but uh, it will be really interesting to see. Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that offensive line, and it's banged up, and the fact that there's been so many different variations of it, really, since Matt Eberflus has been the head coach. Why has it been so in flux and kind of all over the place? It's a combination of injury luck and the Bears just, uh, especially last year, just not having enough talent at the position. You know, as you look at it right now, the Bears can be without their left tackle. Uh, the right tackle, Darnell Wright, their first-round pick from Tennessee, uh, was limited in practice all week, but Matt Eberflus said today he expects him to play there. And, and then, you know, at center, <laughs> something really weird happened Sunday. Cody Whitehair, who's the most tenured guy on the team, most respected guy on the team, he's been playing guard and center his whole NFL career, just couldn't snap the ball straight. Mm. Uh, and he wound up getting yanked, and Lucas Patrick took his place. I expect Cody Whitehair to play guard and not center on Sunday, leaving Whitehair there in the middle. It's just a lot of moving pieces and a lot of weird things going on uh, on a unit that's you know that's not going to overwhelm people with their talent, even on a good day. It feels like that there's been, and I'm in no way trying to make fun or poke fun at this situation, it feels like it's been a lot of weird with Chicago so far this year, and it's only going into week seven. Is that accurate? <laughs> uh, no, uh, that is more than accurate. I, I have said it with more colorful language uh, almost uh, every week of the season. You know, the Bears are just incapable of having a normal week. You know, they open the season against, uh, against their rival Packers and Chase Claypool dogs it on some plays and has to apologize to his team. You know, week two, Alan Williams, their defensive coordinator, uh, uh, you know, isn't around. Uh, and, you know, the following week they say, actually, you know, he's, uh, uh, he's parted ways with the team. 
you know, I, I can tell you that it was because of, uh, of, of behavior uh, in, in the workplace. Uh, you know, the Bears haven't come out and said that. Um, you know, and then, and then, you know, Dick Buckus dies. Right. That's, that's, that's a really sad thing in Chicago, but it's, it just kind of adds to all this stuff. They finally win their game. Oh, and by the way, they had a 14 game losing streak dating back to last season. They finally win a game against the Commanders on a Thursday night. Uh, you know, you think that there's going to be some smooth sailing, and then Justin Fields goes out and dislocates his thumb in the third quarter against the Vikings. It's been bad. There's been a lot of losing. Uh, and, uh, yeah, you're right. There's uh, a, lo- a whole lot of weird is a really <laughs> nice way to put it. Patrick Finley from the Chicago Sun-Times is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. So you mentioned Justin Fields, and I remember watching that Thursday night game where he lit up the Commanders. They looked fantastic, and that was back-to-back games where he had thrown four touchdowns. He looked like he was turning the corner, and I'm thinking, okay, maybe he is their guy, and now he's injured. He's still got to prove himself. How much is this injury going to you know, kind of set him back in trying to prove to the franchise that he is their guy? Yeah, it's going to hurt him because – it's not like him sitting out is a neutral outcome here. You know, he's got another 12 weeks to prove to the Bears that he is, is their quarterback of the future. And if he's not, they're going to go draft somebody. And him not being on the field uh, is a negative. And it's not fair. It's unfortunate. But that's just kind of the way this thing goes. And, you know, even if he comes back in two or three weeks and plays, you know, all of a sudden you're running out of time. <laughs> and, you know, is six or eight good weeks enough for the Bears to pass on some of the really good players that uh, might be available when they draft? Uh, I'll tell you this, too. Playing an undrafted rookie quarterback, uh, you know, certainly isn't going to help the Bears' record, probably. Right. And, the, you know, the more the Bears lose, the more realistic it is that Caleb Williams is there or Drake May is there. And the Bears also have the Panthers' number one pick, which right yeah. now the season would end, would be number one overall. Wow. So it's, it, it's bad news. It's bad news for Justin. Uh, kind of all the way around because, as you know, if the Bears' season keeps spiraling, that only incentivizes them, I think, to make sure that they've got a really high draft pick. You know, and I, I don't think by any means that they would make a move with Justin Fields before the trade deadline, but is there any other players that you're looking at on the roster that you think, you know what, they might make a move before October 31st? Yeah, that, that's a really good question. Jalen Johnson and, uh, is the corner who I think is a really good player. Uh, they could have extended him. Uh, before the season began, they did not. Uh, you know, he's in the last year of his deal. You know, he's a nice player that could help a lot of teams. Uh, Darnell Mooney uh, is their number two wide receiver. Same deal in the final year of his contract. Uh, both of them are really respected around the locker room. Um, both of them uh, can help the Bears, and neither of them have a great backup behind them. Uh, so if you were actively trying to lose, maybe you'd move both those guys. But, you know, I don't know that doing either is going to change the trajectory of what the Bears have got uh, too much. Uh, and, you know, especially with somebody like Mooney, given that the Bears uh, already you know, had to get rid of Chase Claypool. I left that out, by the way, in the litany of Bears. <laughs> uh, telling, telling Chase Claypool uh, not to come to two games and not to come to the building for a full week. That's, that was in there, too. And, you know, I, I just don't know. If you trade Darnell Mooney, I don't know who else you've got playing receiver. Uh, so it'll be interesting. Last year, remember, they traded Roquan Smith yeah. to the Ravens, and uh, the defense fell apart uh, just dramatically when they did. Uh, you wonder whether Ryan Poles learned his lesson there about uh, about uh, trying to 
<laughs> trying to go backwards to go forwards. If that makes sense. Right. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, you know, I'm glad you brought up Jalen Johnson. He was the guy I wanted to ask you about. There was, you know, some conversations here locally with Devontae Adams and his targets. And, you know, obviously Jalen Johnson knows Devontae really well from Devontae's time in Green Bay. Are you anticipating a lot of Jalen Johnson and Devontae Adams kind of squaring up on Sunday? Yeah, I, I, I think so, yes. Uh, for a lot of reasons, number one, Jalen's really good at what he does. Number two, uh, the alternative is to have Tyreek Stevenson, who's a rookie corner out of Miami. Uh, he's the other outside corner. And teams have picked on Tyreek uh, this season. And, uh, you know, I don't think it benefits the Bears to have Tyreek Stevenson chasing around Devontae Adams. Now, you know, the Bears know what Devontae said this week. They, they're not dumb. They presume that Devontae's going to get the ball early and often. Mm-hmm. Jalen has never backed down from a challenge against Devontae. Uh, and that won't start uh, now. So, you know, I don't know whether it'll be a traditional follow all the way through the game, but you can bet that the Bears are going to want uh, Jalen on that side of the field with him as often as possible. Again, we're talking with Patrick Finley from the Chicago Sun-Times here on Raider Nation Radio 920 Unnecessary Roughness, talking all things Bears and Raiders as they uh, they square up on uh, Sunday morning. Looking forward to that 10 a.m. Pacific time, of course. And as far as this game goes, the Bears, they want to run the ball. I'm actually kind of surprised with all the, the flux of the offensive line that they're re- really able to run the ball as well as they do. What has been the key to their success running? I, they, they have a couple of really good running backs. And, you know, I realize that a run game is about more than, a, than mm-hmm. the running backs. But, you know, Khalil Herbert, a really good home run hitter, uh, he's on IR. But, you know, for the first four games or so, uh, he helps them. Roshan Johnson's a, ru- a rookie running back that I really like. But he is uh, going to miss his second straight game with a concussion coming off of that Thursday night game. And, and then they've got Dante Foreman. And, you know, Foreman last year, I think the last, what is the last 10 weeks of last season with the Panthers? I think he was the fourth leading rusher in the country. Like he, in filling in for Christian McCaffrey, he was amazing. And the Bears signed him uh, as a free agent, and he was a healthy scratch for four games. And he only got back there uh, once people started getting hurt. Now, having Dante Foreman as your in case of emergency running back yeah. is a really, really good situation for the Bears. So uh, you're going to see a lot of him. There is the other thing too is you know the Bears have a, a pretty smart uh, run system. You know Luke Getzey comes you know from that Packers tree, and you know as you know that's you know it's a running offense with passing, not the other way around. And the Bears have emphasized that for the last year. They were the best running team in football last season. Right. And they weren't afraid to run to run a lot in part to protect Justin. I think you're going to see them running a lot uh, this week just to give Tyson Bajan fewer decisions to make. And, and to try to keep themselves a little bit ahead of the stick. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I expect. I was talking about keys to victory for the Raiders, and I said first and foremost, they got to stop the run, <laughs> right? You got to make Bajit one dimensional. If if you make him one dimensional, then you're giving yourself a chance. But that run game is really good for Chicago. I don't want anyone to think that it's not. And on the flip side of things, uh, Patrick, they they're able to stop the run too. What's been the key to their success stopping the run? You know, they're a top five run defense in terms of yards per carry. It's wild. That's, uh, that, that surprised me when I saw that. Uh, you know, they brought in uh, a guy named Andrew Billings. You guys are familiar with him, yeah. obviously. Uh, <laughs> yep. No tackle. And, right. you know, he lost a little bit of weight, and, and that's helped his pass rush ability. He's actually a three-down player and a pretty wow. good one. But, you know, he is, uh, you know, at his core, a pretty good run stopper. And, you know, he's been the key to the thing. Uh, thus far this season. You know, the Bears really can't rush the passer. Uh, the last year and a half, they've had some historically bad pass rush numbers. But, but against the run, this year, they've been really stout up front. Uh, you know, I would watch for 
for Billings, uh, you know, and <laughs> Billings is the guy, if I were watching the TV, he's the guy I'd circle uh, in that run game and, and just watch and see what he does. He does some pretty crazy stuff uh, if you're into that sort of line play. Uh, you know, the other thing, too, you know, with Jacobs is, you know, the Bears know that Jacobs is averaging three yards to carry, but yeah. everybody I talked to this week is like, boy, he still runs hard. They, you know, this is not a lack of a motor or lack of effort thing. And, you know, that player is the same player who led the league in rushing last year. So, uh, you know, the Bears have got a test in front of them. Uh, in Jacobs, I think he's, you know, more talented than maybe any other running back they've faced this season, uh, even if he's not having a good year uh, to this point. I'll tell you what, man. I'm happy for Andrew Billings. I actually covered him when he was at Baylor. He went from being a Baylor Bear to being a, a Chicago Bear, right? So there, <laughs> there's that. He's a good dude. That's a good dude. I'm glad he's uh, having success there in Chicago. We'll close out with this, Patrick. As far as Matt Eberflus goes, there was reports before that Commanders game that if he loses this one, he may be out. Well, obviously they didn't. They beat the brakes off the Commanders. What is the gut feeling on Matt Eberflus? Does, is he coaching next year for the Chicago Bears, or do you think there could be someone else uh, going up and down that sideline? Boy, they got to turn this thing around, I, I think, for that to make sense, especially if they end up with the number one or the number two draft pick, because then uh, you need a coach who can develop a quarterback. Uh, you know, the Bears really bucked, you know, the national trend when they hired a defensive-minded head coach two years ago. They thought the discipline uh, that he taught in this hit system that he has, which is essentially a grading system for, uh, for making sure that your players hustle all the time, they thought that that could translate and there's been some good in there, but man, you know, he's lost 14 of 15 games. Uh, it's been uh, over a year since they won a game at home. I mean, you know, this losing is, is, is really, really bad here. And I don't know that you can get around that. Now, the question then becomes Ryan Poles is the GM who hired him. Ryan Poles is also in year two. Uh, you know, can he fire a coach and be allowed to? you know, draft the Bears' next quarterback if it comes to that. Uh, that's going to be a really interesting thing to, you know, to see. I don't think they're going to fire him midseason. The McCaskies have never done that in the history of the franchise. And as you know, there's been a lot of bad coaching around here. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so I, I think they'll give him till the end of the season. You know, if they fire him after two years, I, I don't think in any world that that's viewed as fair. You know, I, you know that, that's a pretty, you know, it's a pretty reactionary thing. But, man, you know, <laughs> if you're staring at one of those two quarterbacks in the draft, I think you need to have a head coach who can, who can develop them and who you know will be around for a long time uh, as an offensive mind. I think they'd have to go in that direction if things keep going as badly as they've been going in these first six weeks. We will see. It's a long season still left to go, and obviously the Bears aren't off to the start that they want to be off of, too. The Raiders didn't get off to the start either. They were able to square things up. They're sitting there 3-3, three and three, but obviously uh, both these teams want to be in a different position than they are right now. Well, fantastic stuff, Patrick. We definitely appreciate you. What are you working on that we should be on the lookout for? I've got a story in the Chicago Sun-Times uh, that is up on our website uh, about how Tyson Bajan, get this, since the Bears won the Super Bowl in 1985, Tyson Bajan is now the 44th different starting quarterback that they have used uh, since the Super Bowl there. That is insane. Uh, it is almost historic. It is almost unbelievable how many quarterbacks have there cycle through without finding the answer. Tyson Bajan becomes the next one to give it a shot. Wow, wow. I always think of the Cleveland Browns in that jersey that has name after name after name after name. But, hell, the Bears got their, their own jersey that they're collecting <laughs> names on. Wow, that's Whew, that's a lot of quarterbacks. Wow, okay, good stuff. I'm going to go check that out in just a little bit. Patrick, great stuff, man. <laughs> Appreciate you. <laughs> hey, anytime. Thank you.
Yeah, thank you, my man. There you go. That's fantastic. I, I got to go check that out, man. 44 quarterbacks. Wow, Raider Nation's like, damn, that's a lot of quarterbacks. <laughs> and we know how many quarterbacks the Raiders went through, right? We know between Gannon and, and Carr how many different quarterbacks. And I ain't got to go back through that nightmare again. But, man, that you want to talk about nightmares that don't end. You know that. You know when you're having a bad dream and you try to shake yourself out of it? Usually it's the one that you're about to get robbed or you're about to get shot or you're about to fall down and hurt yourself. Oh, that's just me? I'm the only one that that happens to. All right, well, maybe I watched too much Law & Order SVU. Who knows? But uh, matter of fact, there was a really good episode on the other night. It was uh, – I'll get into it later. But, man, yeah, you can't shake yourself out of that bad dream. Man, 44 different starting quarterbacks? 44? Like, seriously? That is a ton of quarterbacks. 247 is the time. Many thanks to Patrick. We definitely appreciate him and his time. We are here, 150 East Centennial. It is Buffalo Wild Wings. We do this each and every Friday with Radio Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness, live at Buffalo Wild Wings with your boy Q. Coming up in a matter of minutes, Jason Horowitz, Raiders play-by-play voice. He'll join us to talk all things. Well, I want to start off with stadiums with him. I got to ask him about, you know, calling, calling a game from a historic stadium. There's not a lot of those left, right? Allegiant Stadium is amazing, right? SoFi is awesome. Jerry's World is awesome. But this is Soldier Field. Something different about Soldier Field, man. It's just just the name, right? I mean, it's just one of those uh, that you, you just got to look forward to that one. That would be one of those, and I've never been there. I've only been to Chicago. Matter of fact, I've only been to Chicago once, and that was for the draft back in the day. Uh, but that's one of those that I would even be excited just to cover a game at, at Soldier Field just because it is. There's certain – like Lambeau Field, right? Who wouldn't want to go to Lambeau? Matter, you know, I'm sure – I wonder if Jason's done a game from there. Well, maybe I'll ask him. We'll ask him what his favorite stadium is that he's, uh, he's done broadcast from. So we'll do that coming up at 3 o'clock with Jason Horowitz. Uh, threw out the questions on the don'tbebroke.com text line before we have Patrick Finley from Chicago Sun-Times on to give us our final little preview of the Bears. Who do you expect to have a big game for the Raiders on Sunday? What will be the path to victory? What needs to happen for the Raiders to get a W? Uh, again, I, I think that Devontae is going to have a big game offensively. Defensively, I feel like it's going to be someone like a Spillane or a Diablo. You know, maybe maybe one of those guys. Like, I, I, I know what Max is going to bring. I expect Max to get a sack or two, right, which is obviously that's big. But I just feel like someone's going to really stand out. You know, like Spillane had a couple interceptions a few weeks back. That was a big deal. I feel like someone defensively is going to have a big game, a really big game, coming to their own. Maybe it'll be, like I said, maybe it'll be a Spillane. He's been playing some really good ball. I, I feel like the, the identity of the defense is Max Crosby and Robert Spillane right now. He, to me, has been a really good pickup uh, as a free agent. So I think that he's going to have a big game. And, you know, like I was talking with Patrick, you know, you got to stop the run. And, and the Bears have a really good run defense. Like, as bad as they are, they're 1-5. in five. They have a really good run defense. And the Raiders haven't been getting their run game going. They still have to, they still have to try to get their run game going. But, man, the Bears have a really good run, de- run game, run defense. And, and shout-out to Andrew Billings, right, who was here last year with the Raiders. And uh, clearly he went to Chicago and he, he got a little bit more right. He, I thought he did, did well with the Raiders last year. But he goes to, goes to Chicago and he's playing well. And it's really helped them lead that charge as far as being able to stop the run. And the Bears are going to want to try to run the ball. One quick text, and we'll take a break. Sir Whiskey Ray said, Q and Ari, happy Friday, gentlemen. Kickoff is less than 48 hours, and this game is a must-win game. No excuses. I believe we'll be talking about our defense come Monday because with three sacks, two turnovers, and only 13 points allowed going up against a rookie quarterback, it is a must that we hit him hard and cause havoc for all four quarters. 
Jacobs will have over 120-plus yards on the ground, which will lead to 27 offensive points. That's a lot of points. I also think Devontae will have 12-plus targets and at least one touchdown after what's been brewing here this week. No doubt that this will be our best offensive game to date, and we beat the Bears 27-13. It's a lot, Q. We'll be 4-3 and three when Week 7 is finished. One last thing, just win, baby. Raiders. That's Sir Whiskey Ray on the text. And, man, 27 points. That's a lot of points for a team that barely got over 20. But uh, I'm, I'm, okay. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. Maybe they can get everything jump-started. 2.56 at the time. We're at 150 East Centennial. Buffalo Wild Wings with Raider Nation Radio 920. And thank you so much for listening to the podcast version of Unnecessary Roughness here on LVSportsNetwork.com, brought to you by Porta Subs.